0: Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Navigating Netflix Originals. As always, I'm Madison. And as always, I'm joined by Jamie. That's me. Yay, it is. <laughs> and, you know, I'm I'm just going to stop apologizing for how long it's been since. the I don't even know when the last time Jamie uploaded an episode <laughs> of the podcast was. If you are still listening to us at this point, you've just accepted that this is who we are and how it's going to be.
1: <laughs> yeah, true.
0: Um, but, you know, yeah, that, that's that's fine. But today, um, as a special treat, we decided to record on a Netflix original mini-series, not quite a full series, but not just a movie either, um, called How to Change Your Mind. So it is, if you haven't heard of it, it's about um, psychedelic drugs, and it's a four-part kind of mini-series that looks at LSD, um psibos- psil- psilocybin uh-huh. magic mushrooms um MDMA and mescaline or, or peyote right. um, and each episode kind of walks you through how kind of like how the effects the psychedelic effects work and kind of how they differ from each other.
1: yeah, which
0: was that was really interesting because I kind of just assumed like, they all worked in similar ways, but I mean, and they are similar, but yeah. there are distinctions between each of the four that they talk about, which I thought was interesting.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: So what did you, what did you think overall of this little series? Yeah. <laughs>
1: um Yeah. I think quite like you, although you, I think have a more overall knowledge of the subject. I've heard like <laughs> snippets of things about LSD and magic mushrooms and peyote and things like this in the past, Um, and so it was interesting to have each of these episodes, which are like 50 plus minutes to go into a little more depth, um, about each of them and to learn a little bit more. And as you were saying, like, yeah, they do point out some differences, which I found interesting, although part of me also still finds it difficult to distinguish the ways in which they're like dramatically different. So perhaps, you know, we can discuss that as we go on, but, um, I think we both also expressed, like, despite being interested in the subject, for some reason, like, we had a difficult time just sitting down and watching the four episodes. Right. (laughs) Like, it took me a ridiculous amount of time. Like, I binged another season of a Netflix original series in the time I was meant to be watching one of these episodes. So it was like, well, not in the time, but when I was. It's not on it. It's not.
0: And I almost, I think that part of the reason is like, you have to pay a lot of attention to what they're talking about, because it is kind of like high level thinking, you know, when you're talking about altering your state of consciousness, and what that means and what consciousness is, and they do kind of delve in a lot into those experiences in the show. So I think it's it's heavy, but it's interesting.
1: (laughs) Yeah, for sure. But yeah, definitely interesting. I mean, I was, it was very curious to, to learn about the history of the, um, of the drugs and how they were sort of synthesized what their original purpose right. was and, and how that developed, like all that stuff was, was super cute, super interesting to know. But yeah, I, right. I, I wish that I could have, I think it is maybe something about yeah having to dedicate so much of your like attention to it
0: uh, that made to it, it difficult yeah. to,
1: <laughs> to get through. But all that's <laughs> to say, it, it was very, I recommend it still, despite not right. know, being addicted to it as much as other right. things.
0: Well, then It wasn't like one that made you want to binge watch it. It kind of made you want to think about it after yeah. you watched episode <laughs> <laughs> before you could move on to the next one.
1: <clears throat> but yeah but, but,
0: uh, yeah so you kind of just want to go through and talk about each one of the psych psychedelics individually sure uh, and kind of see how they tie all tie into each other yeah so I think that that's kind of what this show tried to do just yes. to show that like there's a lot of similarities between like if you've taken a psyched- like two different psychedelics you're gonna definitely say like yes they are both psychedelic experiences but there are differences within them as well yeah. So, um, let's start with LSD.
1: Ooh.
0: Which, out of these four, um, I feel like LSD is the one that I would be most leery about <laughs> wanting to try. And I think that's just a lot of that is like I've heard negative yeah. things about LSD as a kid. I mean, and there's at one point in here where they're talking like somebody's talking about that they grew up during the DARE era. And like yeah. that's that was us in elementary school. You had like a class dedicated to learning about how bad all the drugs were, <laughs> and, oh, yeah. and LSD was like one of the ones that you know they would show you videos of people convulsing and like basically having seizures, and and it was like this man-made chemical that was you know horrible. And I remember that, and I feel like. Yeah. That's why my like I'm I would be very leery to even try LSD ever.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean I, I totally agree with you. And and another thing that makes me a little hesitant to ever do that. And I think maybe this is the case of all of the um, the psychedelic drugs. I don't know, but they specifically stated this during the episode on LSD is that like if people are although it's technically non toxic and there is no such thing as a lethal dose of LSD, it can be. Right triggering for people who are prone to like psychotic breaks or that kind of thing. And I'm like, I don't think I have a family history of psychosis or like any of that things that I'm like, what if on the odd chance I am? And then this thing (laughs) throws me over the edge. And then this thing, this experience that's meant to be like life altering is life altering indeed, but in the direction I don't want it to be.
0: (laughs) See, now that's interesting because, you know, I've definitely heard, you, I've heard that even just about marijuana before, that yeah. like if you're somebody who is prone to having schizophrenia or you're, you know, on the path to developing schizophrenic um, characteristics, yeah you, you know, so you would be you know, there, it's correlating with smoking pot kind of thing or with doing psychedelics. And so, like, a lot of people, there's not a lot of understanding as to why. Is it because marijuana or the psychedelics are causing the onset of schizophrenia, or is it because in the buildup to the onset of schizophrenia, people are more likely to use drugs to kind of get away from those, to self-medicate? So, like, where does correlation equal causation? There's not a lot of research into it, but it's easy to say that... You know, because people are smoking pot and developing schizophrenia, that it's causing it, but that might not be the whole story. <laughs> true.
1: Yeah. And I guess I imagine that would be pretty hard to actually study and get legitimate data on.
0: Right. Because, yeah. yeah like how would you really know?
1: Right. That's true.
0: I guess one of the things you could start doing would be to ask schizophrenic patients did you start using pot? To self-medicate for early on symptoms, or were you using it for a different reason? You know, to try and find like what their experience of it is. But
1: yeah,
0: I mean, we haven't even managed to get it legal federally yet, so right. probably <laughs> we won't get into these studies anytime soon. <laughs> probably not. <laughs> but um, but yes, so they do talk a lot in all four of the episodes yeah. about how the different psychedelics can be used. medically. Yeah. And the way like the things that you can use them to treat patients for. Um and LSD, I think that was the one. Um
1: It's kind of like a an antidepressant in a way. Like
0: Was it for one that they specifically talked about using for PTSD though, is what I'm wondering. PTSD I
1: one, I think, is MDMA. Yeah, NDMA was okay. the same right. one.
0: So one. So this one must have been like depression and anxiety Um, was what they were talking about using it to treat. So people who had like suicidal depression that was treatment resistant, kind of like people, not just your, you know, people who were responding well to two antidepressants weren't part of like what they were doing here, but they were giving patients small, like one time doses of LSD and it was completely curing them basically of their depression and their anxiety and giving them this the whole new like outlook on life. Yeah. Um, which is and there's you know, each one they kind of give like an example of what it's best used for. Um but that was for that one was what was best used for, for LSD. Yeah.
1: And they also there was the one case of the guy who who was um suicidal, but Be due to, um, I can't remember what he had exactly, but some sort of like um, chronic pain um, issue. And so like somehow the microdosing of LSD or, you know, the controlled dosing of it um, has curbed that so that he can have now or experience consecutive pain-free days. And so, you know, he's... I think it was
0: migraines maybe?
1: I can't quite remember. Yeah. I think
0: that... I think that was what he had. And then there was one, I think also in this episode that had OCD or maybe that was the, the, the psilocybin one. Um, yeah.
1: yeah. It's, it's hard because they're so similar. It is hard to distinguish which ones are exactly.
0: I do have some of it written out in my notes. So I'm like trying to scan. Yeah. OCD was under the magic mushroom one. Yeah. 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 But, um...
1: <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you know, um, Throughout this, uh, this is where we're first, you know, introduced to the uh, to the war on drugs and how that kind of, you know, quickly shut down any sort of research that was going on um, for LSD and any of the other psychedelics as well is, you know, just suddenly we were like, nope everyone is going to you know lsd is bad all these drugs are bad and that's as you were saying when we start seeing things like dare and all those commercials of like you know eggs frying in a pan with your your brain (laughs) under
0: and And there was a, a lot of research into it being used as a psychiatric treatment up until the war on drugs kind of began and there's a lot of different theories as to how and why you know the government decided to have this war on drugs um we won't dive into that in this podcast too much but um that was a huge turning point because they couldn't test it anymore legally for medical use at all it was labeled a schedule one um i can't remember what they call it—a schedule one drug maybe yeah. um so there's no known use, you know, beyond recreational kind of thing. So that's the, they had to stop all of their medical research on it too when that happened. Yeah.
1: And slowly it's has um, coming back, but you have to have very <laughs> special permission to be able to do any of this.
0: Right. And you mentioned microdosing a little bit and they, they talk yeah. about that as well at the end of the episode about using it basically as a daily or I'm not sure every other day kind of treatment. Um, to treat severe anxiety and depression, instead of having like that one-time episode where you have a very powerful psych- um, psychedelic experience, just taking a small amount of LSD every day or every other day um, to like treat severe anxiety and depression. And I don't see. I don't. I don't know. Do you suppose she has any kind of psychedelic, you know, high from it on that small of a dose? When I'm not really sure. They didn't go into much detail
1: on that. I'm not sure. I would guess if it's such a small dose, it, it it's probably just enough to like alter the consciousness to like, you know, a little bit show, you know, bring back that sort of like attachment to the world that everyone always talks about. And like that sort of, you know, joy. But I don't know if right. they were like out of it in quite the same way. But uh yeah,
0: no. Yeah. I mean, it can't be as strong. But no. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. One, th- one thing they did talk about, um, and this was kind of through, um, I think Ken Kesey or something, one of the authors that happened to be dosed um, uh, by the CIA, who then started like you know professing the word, who wanted to really like just dose an entire the entire generation. And wanted to do like mass dosing of crowds of youth just to like alter their future. And I was like, I don't know if this is the way, but.
0: (laughs) No. But at the same time, like maybe it would be effective like if you yeah. just did it and like it opened everybody's minds up you know nobody would care then that you'd done it
1: <laughs> yeah i mean it's quite different to it's like huxley or someone later who wants to like gatekeep it for just the the like special people and it's like right okay. the elite. yeah
0: <laughs> and is that really the better op <laughs> but yeah i did yeah that was interesting um
1: that's pretty much all I can remember. I mean, we hear names that are are kind of like throughout the psychedelic world as it is. So people like Humphrey Osmond um, or Leary, yeah, Timothy Leary, who, whose names are just kind of repeated throughout this because they're all sort of intertwined.
0: Right.
1: <laughs> but but um,
0: yeah, that was that was everything I think I had that was important written down about LSD. <laughs> yeah,
1: same. Let's move on to your favorite. Psilocybin.
0: Yeah. Psilocybin. <laughs> which I can't pronounce correctly, but... Magic that, mushrooms. Yeah, they will
1: henceforth be magic
0: mushrooms. <laughs> um, yeah, it's my favorite, but for the record, I've never actually done magic mushrooms, but and I am yeah. very curious. <laughs> <laughs> and this definitely heightens my curiosity. Yeah. Um, so, so, yeah, so magic mushrooms. Um, they did not talk about something that I really had hoped they would mention. Um, Netflix has another uh, little docu documentary that is just on mushrooms called Fantastic Fungi. And actually the mushroom guy who's in the the mushroom episode is like the same guy from from Fantastic Fungi. But anyways, they didn't mention the stoned ape hypothesis. And Mm. have you ever heard of that?
1: No, I haven't.
0: So they talk about it in the other documentary *and Fantastic Fungi. And it's the hypothesis that once our ancestors moved out of the jungles and started walking more uprights in grasslands and searching for food in that way, one of the foods that would have been readily available was mushrooms. And we definitely evolved to eat them because we learned which ones were edible and which ones were poisonous. So the stoned ape hypothesis is that we also learned which ones were psychedelic. And that experience, like that, could potentially explain the rapid growth of our brain size over a couple hundred thousand years. Our brain, like almost doubles in size. And wow. the idea that, like these apes, you know, our ancestors were eating magic mushrooms and was allowing them to expand their consciousness and expand, you know, their brain size and allow us to evolve to the consciousness, the consciousness that we have today. Um, which, I mean, there's no way you could prove that, but it is an interesting hypothesis.
1: Yeah, that is interesting. Is this the episode where um, they talk about how they used, one of the people used, or one of the researchers used um, psilocybin for other researchers who are struggling to answer questions? Like, so they took it and then later on were able to actually, like, complete the research they wanted because they were, like, able to I think that might be this one I think so I can't remember but that was kind of interesting to me but I mean they definitely touched on this sort of like one giant consciousness aspect of everything and I guess if yeah if you're tapping into you know this uh consciousness that's one way to expand sort of capacity and maybe there's something to that
0: right I I I enjoyed that one I heard it uh fantastic (laughs) I was like, you know, if that, that makes sense. And I haven't heard any other explanation that does make sense. <laughs> and that one's like, yeah, because yeah, we know that our ancestors had to have been eating mushrooms because they were able to learn which ones were not poisonous and wouldn't kill you. Right. <laughs> and a lot of tribes knew which ones were psychedelic as well. So yeah. it makes sense that, you know, that that could have at least played a role in the progression of our evolution.
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: Um, but yes, they don't talk about that in this uh, series of How to Change Your Mind, but I thought it was a, a good thing to mention for this episode. Yeah. They literally have evolved to eat psychedelic mushrooms. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so yeah, so my, like out of the four here, magic mushrooms would be the one i would choose like mm-hmm. if i to do i have a, my first psychedelic experience it would be magic mushrooms mostly because i just prefer the naturalness of it compared to something artificial like lsd or mdma but um
1: yeah
0: made in a lab. but um also i just think the, the experience of it seems like it would probably be a lot more intense than mdma or even than mescaline um but i think it would be a really awesome experience
1: (laughs) i mean it could be they did say at one point that like 30 percent of the participants in one of the studies had you know said that it was the most impactful experience they'd ever had or and it was mystical even
0: yes and like everybody they everybody who experienced it talks about like connecting to this universal consciousness and seeing like the world in a completely different way and like that i want that
1: (laughs) yeah yeah it's interesting i mean i don't Um, know i think i would have to be in the right circumstance the right company to to try that No,
0: yeah and i think that with all all of any psychedelic really the environment that you're in and the mind that you're in play a huge role in how you experience the trip. You know, if you're someplace where you're not comfortable, where you're afraid you're uneasy, your trip is going to be probably terrifying. But if you're in like a very relaxed environment and you know, you're taking what you're taking, what you're getting yourself into, you know, I think you'll have a lot better of experience.
1: <laughs> yeah, for sure.
0: But, um, yes, I don't remember
1: what I was going to say. Yeah. I mean, psilocybin, they also, this, as you said earlier, this is the episode with, Uh, Ben, the guy who suffered from OCD and, you know, during his experience, they talk about how one of the things that psilocybin allows you to do is sort of like break, break down the self um, so that you're able to see things differently and see the bigger picture and kind of like extract yourself in a way from the things that are troubling you so that you can actually work through them. Um, And for him, it seems to as to have cured his, um, OCD.
0: Right. Yeah. You know? Like that When that kind of, kind of how he described it was that, and he only had one session of it as well. Right. I I'm pretty remember. sure that that,
1: I can't remember. They
0: all had like the one session of it. Um, yeah, he kind of described it as like his whole self, like crumbled apart and broke down and he was able to like rebuild his consciousness the way he wanted it to be. Which is a really interesting yeah. Way to describe the experience. Um, I know um, several people who have done magic mushrooms before, but I was talking to someone recently about it, and they said that like when you're drinking and you get to the point where like you're definitely drunk, and you're kind of like disconnected from like what you're doing and what you're experiencing like that's not at all the way psychedelics are like when you're on a psychedelic trip you are very like aware of yourself and what you're doing in, in like almost like a hyper kind of way, okay. Um, so, he like, yeah, he just said like, you don't lose control of who you are, you like, you become much more connected with what you're, what you are, and what you're doing, but um, with like the added you know, hallucinations, <laughs> <laughs> but um, <clears throat> so I thought that was interesting, like, it's the opposite of like what being drunk would be,
1: yeah, that is curious. Um, um, one of my favorite parts of this episode is and it must be the mushroom guy I think his name was Stamies or Stamus or something yeah Stamus uh, he talks about you know having foraged a bunch of the these magic mushrooms from you know the forest area or the yard or wherever and then it, in the description it was like so they gathered all these mushrooms and then they each took about 40 to 50 of them and I was like <laughs> they ate 40 to 50 mushrooms. <laughs>
0: I wouldn't do that in a dinner. Like.
1: Oh my, I know. I was like, that is intense. But I guess, you know, if, if psilocybin is like other psychedelics and you can't actually overdose from them, then right. maybe that's okay. And,
0: and well, I, I guess like not all magic mushrooms are created equal and probably some yeah. of them have real high potency of psilocybin and some have a real low potency of it. So probably, you know, there are types of magic mushrooms where you don't need more than one mushroom but maybe there are, you know, you need to eat a mushroom stew or something to <laughs> get a, a, the effects of it or something. I'm not sure. But that's kind of what I'm hoping otherwise.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seriously.
0: 40 to 50. 40. <laughs> that was too many.
1: <laughs> it's like, good luck. Hopefully you have enough of those. You know, you have that many in your yard to pick.
0: Um, In Fantastic Fungi as well. See, we should have just watched this one, too. Um, (laughs) There's the guy in that who describes how he used magic mushrooms to cure his... He had a really, really bad, like, debilitating stutter that was, like, really Uh holding back in life. He'd been to all kinds of speech therapy, and none of it was ever effective. So he had never done mushrooms or any, you know, psychedelic before, but he just decided he wanted to try them not as a treatment at all for the stutter. That was like something that happened afterwards that was kind of unexpected, but Mm -hmm. he just decided he wanted to try mushrooms, basically. And he's like, he bought a bag of them that was probably like 10 to 15 servings, but he didn't know that. So he ate them all (laughs) just (laughs) by himself on his first trip. He ate like 10 times the amount that they would have recommended. Oh
1: my goodness. And
0: he said that he it was like going to storm out so he went outside and he climbed up to the very top of a tall tree and he had this incredibly like kind of horrifying but also mind-altering experience while he was holding on to the top of this tree swaying through like the wind and the rain and the storm he said i just repeated over and over and over stop stuttering stop stuttering and he hadn't been planning on doing that. It just kind of came to him to do it while he was up there. And after the storm was over, he went back down inside, and he never stuttered again.
1: Wow, that's crazy. <laughs> Which, Although him cr- cr- climbing up the tree is kind of like the classic story of nuts. like people jumping off, the, <laughs> trying to fly and stuff.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. You don't know how that, how that's gonna end. Yeah. <laughs> but,
1: that's but, interesting, um, though. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, don't climb to the top of a tree in the middle of a rainstorm. It's not advisable, especially if you've just consumed 10 times the recommended dose of the <laughs> magic mushrooms. Yeah. Keep your feet firmly on the ground. But um, yeah, fix this guy and made him a believer in mushrooms. And he wasn't, like, into mushrooms at all, but now he's, like, at the forefront of uh mushroom research kind of thing. He's wow. all self-taught, a complete amateur, but this, like changed his life so dramatically that he got really into it then
1: it seems to be the case for a lot of researchers of psychedelics
0: I know. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like oh i get what people are talking about now
1: yeah they're connected to that single consciousness you know
0: yes exactly
1: but yeah that's pretty much <laughs> magic
0: mushrooms, pretty much my, magic my mushrooms.
1: Yeah,
0: I your t- favorite. I talked more about Fantastic Fungi than I did about this episode. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's all right.
0: Go watch that. If this show interested you, go watch Fantastic Fungi because it's also very interesting. The whole thing doesn't just focus on psych- the psychedelic aspect of mushroom. It talks about like all, all the different sides of mushrooms that you probably don't even know exist.
1: There you go. <laughs> but yeah.
0: Yeah. So let's move on to MDMA.
1: There we go. Now. The
0: history of this one is very interesting.
1: Yeah. So originally, uh, created as a when they were looking for a blood clotting agent
0: yeah like accidentally they made this and they were like well i guess we don't know what to do with this and they put and this was in 1912 and then like in the 70s it finally gets taken back off the yeah. does something with it so 60 years of just sitting around
1: <laughs> yeah this is another one that's sort of championed by a passionate amateur Um, Rick Doblin, who wrote a PhD thesis on how essentially to go about getting psychedelics in general, but also marijuana just, um, uh, legalized, uh, which apparently has become like the, you know, manual, the manifesto that people use to actually do this.
0: I think that's just like absolutely brilliant because this guy was definitely somebody who had tried psychedelics and was very passionate about them being used in medicine. And so he decides to take it upon himself to go back to school, basically to learn how to go up against the government to get these things legalized, at least for medical use. And after he figures out how to do it, he writes his whole thesis explaining to anybody else who wants to know this is exactly how you can do it. Like he didn't want to make money off of it. He just wanted to make that available to anybody who wanted to go down that road, which was kind of cool. Yeah.
1: That's right. Very interesting.
0: But yeah, so they're very interested in trying to get it legalized medically and it was um as of spring of 2022 i looked it up the fda did approve expanding patient access to mdma for ptsd nice um so it's narrow but you know the fda is acknowledging that this is a treatment that worked very well for ptsd um so it seems to me that probably the psychedelic experience of mdma is I, uh, the least intense probably yeah. especially compared to mushrooms and lsd i think it is a much milder experience
1: yeah yeah they did <laughs> at one point specifically say that it was um like i think in was specifically in a study for addiction it was very it was impactful but less so than psilocybin so it must have like a little right. bit like the properties are slightly different and But yeah, it seems that it works very well for PTSD. And one of the studies um, that they talk about, uh, one of the, I think it was like a phase three trial or something. um, Two thirds of the patients report to not, no longer qualifying as having PTSD at all. So it's clearly something that's, um, that's very effective for, for that, which is, you know, something that's really great. Cause I feel like for such a long time in, in history, Um, No one really took PTSD seriously at all. And so now to finally have something or to have it, you know, as of spring 2020 approved to actually be used to help people. I think that's awesome.
0: Yeah, it is. And the patients that were in the study that that is talked about in this show, they were patients who were very resistant to antidepressants and anti-anxiety medications. They were not responding well to any kind of other treatments. Um, So bringing them into this kind of using MDMA um, to alter their state of consciousness was something that they found to be very beneficial. And early on in the episode, one of them described it as like the medications were just trying to numb the symptoms. But taking the MDMA allowed the trauma to heal because it seems like especially with MDMA that allows you to connect to your emotions in a way where you're not afraid of anything that you're remembering or you're thinking about. You can just calmly kind of assess your life and, and figure out what changes you need to make um, in order to heal yourself. Yeah. Which is very interesting as well. <laughs> it is.
1: And this is also in this episode, they, they touch back on the the war on drugs and, Um, We learned that uh, one of the things, uh, one of the studies that had reported all the really negative side effect of MDMA being like holes in the brain, which, you know, the images they were showing, people could not live with that many holes in their brain. Um, But what they actually found out, which I found interesting, is that it was, you know, in the animal testing, or I forget which testing, they were, in fact, giving doses of methamphetamine and not MDMA. MDMA. And it's like well yeah meth is known to destroy people's def- brains <laughs>
0: yeah and and so if you don't know um we didn't even mention this MDMA is also known as ecstasy yes. which is definitely what I knew it as as yeah. a kid because i remember seeing those pictures of the holes in your brain probably <laughs> at dare classes you yeah know? like I was I was like, holy shit, I remember being told that ecstasy would make your brain look like swish keys. Yeah.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: <laughs> um, which was complete bullshit. <laughs>
1: oh yeah. I mean think of all of the people from the rave scenes who are still alive and are and fine. <laughs> like
0: Right. And and I think talking about like the rave scenes, like one of the people who you know was alive during that time and was experiencing raves said that the raves could not exist without ecstasy because it was just that feeling of complete connection and love with everything and everyone around you that made the rave what it was. It wasn't just the music. It was this, you know, mind-altering drug. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Which makes sense.
1: It does, yeah.
0: But, yeah, there's so many, like, we're just remembering dare... <laughs> things from middle school and being taught all this bullshit and then like realizing as an adult now that it it is complete bullshit
1: (laughs) yeah that's true I mean you know they were really effective on uh, on convincing a young generation of like the negative influence of of drugs
0: oh yeah Um, they didn't want us expanding our consciousness we wouldn't go to war and fight for them if we did that
1: exactly (laughs) jokes on them Still didn't go to war for them.
0: Right. So. <laughs> Still didn't do it anyway. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but yeah, that's um I think that's pretty much pretty much MDMA.
0: Pretty much MDMA. Very good for PTSD. Very into making you love everything around you.
1: <laughs> yes. Indeed.
0: <laughs> Heal trauma. There you go. So the last one in the series is mescaline, and that is also more commonly known as peyote, which is a cactus. Yes. Which was mentioned briefly on Grace and Frankie, if you you remember from season one, where she had some peyote that would knock your socks off. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. This episode was, was really interesting. And so I guess the thing to highlight here is that mescaline is sort of the... Um what would you call that? It's like not the extract but the um prote- the
0: psychedelic
1: thing. chemical yeah
0: in the peyote cactus yeah
1: and it's found uh peyote I think has like the highest levels um but it's just one specific type of cactus and then the other one which they call huachuma I think it was um like which is grown all it just grows all over California um yeah. has lower amounts um and so the thing that was really interesting about this is that they spent a lot of the episode giving the perspective of indigenous peoples oh, um, who are the most, you know, traditionally the the community that used this in their religious experiences and still do. Um, and so a lot of the episode was dedicated to showing their reverence towards it, how important specifically peyote and the actual peyote cactus is to their culture and um, how um, although they're open to, you know, outsiders having the experience of mescaline, especially synthetic, um, right. you know, that we really should leave peyote to those who traditionally are kind of like, you know, um, yeah. The, yeah. the protectors of it in a way. Um, which I totally agree with. And I I think that that's that's something that's really important to point out because, um, and what they said is, you know, with these campaigns to legalize or to allow use of psychedelics for different psychiatric treatments and things um, or therapeutic treatments, uh, some people were putting peyote on the ballots. And the fear then, as they said in the episode, is that, you know, that's going to cause people to just kind of like trample over their um, territory, steal all of the plants yep. and just result in like poaching and ultimately extinction of this plant, which is, you yeah, know, yeah. very important for them. And so, yeah, I, I think that it was good that they highlighted that just to be like, you know, take all the mescaline you want, um, but don't take it from peyote, <laughs> peyote plants.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no. And I I think they did a really good job at drawing attention to that because the peyote cactus only grows along the US-Mexico border for like a very short stretch of it. It was maybe like 50 miles or something. Maybe it was even smaller than that. And so the peyote cactus is very endangered because of everything that we're doing wrong to kill the planet right now. (laughs) Correct. (laughs) And it takes 15 years from the time the peyote cactus starts growing until it's large enough to harvest for a ceremony for its psychedelic effects. Um, So it's not something that can be like readily replenished either. Right. And I do think that there are plenty of other options out there you know other ways of using mescaline but just also other psychedelics that there's absolutely no reason we need to be taking the peyote that are left away from the indigenous people
1: yeah totally Um, agree
0: but that being said it was very interesting to learn about the effects that they experienced while on it and uh, you know the way it was used in their culture
1: yeah it really was
0: I was going most like mostly what it was used for especially back hundreds of years ago was in like religious ceremonies um to connect with them connect themselves to mother earth or or to the spirits that kind of control the universe um and when you know western colonizers came home came over they were very threatened by the idea that people could talk to god themselves because you know what's the religion for if you can just talk to god yourself kind of thing so they tried their hardest to wipe out the use of peyote but you know it failed they were able to take it underground and, and continue using it um to you know to this day they still know how those ceremonies are performed um yeah
1: so it's, it lives despite the best yeah, – it, uh, it survived despite the best efforts of the U.S. to right. stamp out their culture in general, but specifically yeah. the oh, use no. of psychedelics.
0: I mean, the United States government has done a very good job at basically completely destroying a Native American culture. But
1: <laughs> well, yes, it totally has.
0: Um, but, you know, and they talk about the idea – that using peyote in these traditional ceremonies can help them heal, you know, as as a culture, but also like as an individual as well. Um, which I I think that's true of peyote, you know, in in this setting, but also of all psychedelics, you know, they all have the power to help you heal, you know, your your mind and your consciousness.
1: Yeah, and at one point, the the guy who I guess wrote the book on you know, which gives us the title of the miniseries here um michael i forget his last name uh he <laughs> mentions at one point that like it's hard not to look at these psychedelics and consider them to be in, in many ways the sort of cure-all right right because they do seem to be extremely beneficial um For for a number of issues, whether it be, you know, addiction, as with the episode on mescaline, whether it be, you know, postpartum depression, general depression, you know, OCD, any sort of any sort of things. It seems to be extremely they seem to be extremely beneficial for helping humanity in general. So I can see why people are really like advocating for especially the medical use of them, if not recreational.
0: Right. And I think like the the things that they help the most with are things that are, we we try to treat you know through psychiatry today with yeah. antidepressants and anti anxiety medication and you know, antipsychotics and all of these things like the root causes that there's a something is wrong with the brain you know there's yeah. a or with your consciousness and like this just allows any one of them kind of just allow you to step back out of yourself and examine who you are and examine kind of where you sit in, in the universe. And uh, they seem to have a very high level of success in getting people to put things, you know, back together correctly then.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Which is, is awesome.
1: And I think also that when people think about psychedelics because of the, the sort of negative campaigns on them, You know, people are like, oh, if we if it's legalized for treatment, that means that you're just going to be sitting at home alone, like popping pills and like going on these psychedelic trips. But, you know, and like the things that we saw, um, especially if it's more towards, um, you know, for, you know, psychiatric treatment, things like that. It's, you know, it will likely be still in a controlled setting where you have someone much like, you know, the wise elder um, for peyote who guides you through the ceremony. You'll have some person there to actually help you, you know, go through your process of sort of analyzing yourself as best they can. Um, So it's not like you're just, you know, out in the wild, you know, potentially climbing up trees and such.
0: Right. Right, it would be done. Yeah, as a medical treatment, it would be done in like a controlled medical setting. And then the other side to that is that most of the time, at least with what we you know heard about in this series, the treatment only has to happen once. You know, yeah. which is a downfall for the pharmaceutical companies because you can't keep like making people repay for this treatment because usually one time is all it takes, and people are good after that point.
1: Um, right.
0: So yeah, that that makes it a hard sell for for pharmaceutical companies
1: now (laughs) yeah it also makes it a hard sell that these aren't really i i I, I don't think they mentioned did they mention like the level of addiction i don't think many people are addicted to these drugs
0: they they did mention that it's like not addictive at all there are no signs that any of these psychedelics would have addictive qualities or addictive tendencies and
1: so you know that the drug farm the pharmaceutical companies are not happy to be giving would not be happy to be giving drugs that they can't uh, you know, get people addicted to.
0: So. <laughs> I don't like to do that. <laughs> uh, yeah.
1: But yeah. But, uh, and then
0: like, it kind of makes you think like these are not even treatments. They're cures, you know, like yeah. they're not there to treat the symptoms. They're there just to cure the problem at its source. The, right. And they can do it in one, one experience basically. Right. Which is very interesting.
1: Yeah. <laughs> in <the> great, yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Very interesting. To me.
1: Exactly, super interesting. I
0: like that they mentioned at the end of this episode the idea that they were able to—I don't know what—they had some old cup from like ancient Greek time period, and they were able to do some sort of analysis of it to, and they found a psychoactive substance, like chemical, in the wood. So they knew that, like during the time period of Socrates and Plato and Aristotle, the elites were drinking a psychoactive brew. Yeah. <laughs> which, Makes sense as to like why you know Socrates and Plato and Aristotle were so far ahead of the thinking of their times. They were opening their consciousness in a way that the general public was not.
1: True.
0: I do. Um, at the very end of this episode, they kind of leave you like with a little thought of like, if we could just convince everybody in the world to eat magic mushrooms, could we solve global warming? Right. avoid like, uh, opening everybody's understanding of our, our connection to nature allow us to respect the planet enough that we would basically be able to fix global warming that's like oh, that's very interesting
1: <laughs> Well, we'll just have to you know I go. we'll have to go the route of that one guy and just suggest dosing the entire public
0: everybody. yeah
1: dose the water you know the water supply
0: yeah exactly you only need to do it once
1: <laughs> see that's true <laughs> Yeah. I mean, it's curious, but uh, yeah, if anyone's listening and, uh, you know, interested in pursuing one of those treatments, speak with your uh, physician, see if it's available to you. You never know.
0: You never know. Yeah. And maybe someday these things won't be so hard to come by. You won't have to get them in an illegal method because they will just be accepted as cures for a lot of things. Yeah. Go to Rite Aid and buy your magic mushroom.
1: There you go. <laughs> and eat 50 of them.
0: <laughs> there you go. Your, your stew's worth of magic mushrooms.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think that's uh, pretty much all I have. Did you write any quotes down or anything you wanted to share?
0: I did have some quotes, yes. Okay. You do you have
1: any? Um, I have one, but I don't... Oh. Um, I'll read mine because I only have the one, if that's all right. I had from episode one, um, someone who I forgot to write down says, uh, what I've truly learned is that most of us just want to be happy. We have a choice of what we keep alive and what we choose to release. Everything that has happened to us that can't be changed can be a gift or a healing for us.
0: Very nice. Mm. I like that. Um, from episode one, I had um, someone who was reflecting on their experience said, "Oh, yeah, love. That's the most important thing in the universe.
1: <laughs> All you need is love, as the Beatles famously said,
0: In the Magic Mushroom episode, I had two. Um, the first ones, Um, There's this deep intuitive sense that the universe is in good hands and they approach death with more more with curiosity. Mm. Um, Yeah, we we didn't really mention that during the mushroom episode, but the idea of using magic mushrooms to treat people who were severely like terminally ill and it it allows them to like get past that severe depression and anxiety about death and kind of accept it.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: Um, so that was like one of the quote kind of reflecting on that. And then the other one um, where the mushroom guy says, I think it's ridiculous that a species can be considered illegal. What's the hubris of humans to think that they can outlaw a species? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. True. true. Um, in the MDMA episode, um, I just had one quote. It said the magic of MDMA is that it allows you to see who you are without a self rejection. Ooh. And nice. then in the mescaline episode, see. um it's about escaping reality. it's oh, sorry, it's not about escaping reality in any way. It's about plunging deeper into reality. Ooh. And then from the very end of the episode, um, it was a longer quote where it says all of these altered states allow us to probe what is the greatest mystery in all of nature the emergence from mere matter of something as miraculous as consciousness that's deep don't if, date hypothesis
1: if that doesn't make you want to go and do a psychedelic then I don't know what will
0: <laughs> then nothing will probably. <laughs> I came into this series already wanting to do it. <laughs> now you just want to really do it more. Really want to do it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> awesome. But yeah, that's uh, that's how to change your mind.
0: Yes. If you want to change your mind, just have a psychedelic trip. One One's enough.
1: Exactly. Yeah.
0: And, you know, there are other options as well that these are not the only four that exist, but um, they're just the only four that were covered in this documentary.
1: <laughs> there you go. Perhaps right. they'll do a yeah they might but yeah if you uh have you know a special memory related to your own psychedelic trip feel free to share it um on twitter you can reach out to us at nno podcast
0: or you can send us an email to navigating netflix originals at gmail.com and if you have any other things that are netflix originals that you would like us to watch and discuss please feel free to let us know
1: indeed